Hello and welcome to Encouraging Others in Loving Jesus. I am your host, Kim Smith, and we are on episode 124. We are in our More Than Conqueror series, and today we're talking about the giant of hopelessness versus the Lord of Heaven's armies. You know, some topics, as we have gone through the different Bible studies so far, some topics not really challenging from an emotional standpoint, but today's will be. Whenever I was doing bereavement counseling for a local hospice, which I, I am now, but it's in a different capacity, I would do seminars every year. And the one that I was tempted each year to remove from my docket, but I knew that it might be the most important one I would do each year, had to do kind of with the topic that we're talking about today. We're talking about that feeling of hopelessness. And for people who are in the depths of grief, sometimes that is when they feel the most hopeless. They feel as though darkness is just enveloping them in such a thick cloud that they will never see their way out but hopelessness does not only come to people who are experiencing the death of a loved one, the death of a relationship. Hopelessness can come to someone who is struggling with mental illness. There are people who have no idea what the world looks like without seeing through dark glasses. For those of us who do not struggle with that level of depression, it is so tempting to use self-help jargon to toss their way, or people even saying snap out of it, uh, for those who are followers of Christ, saying um, God is enough, and God is enough. That That's not the question, but when someone is dealing with such overwhelming darkness, they need a touch from God in a much deeper way than any words from human beings can ever ever create a sweet bond for. A few years ago, well, quite a few years ago now, I, uh, I learned of the suicide of a young pastor. A young pastor who I'd known for quite some time, did not know intimately, did not know details, didn't didn't have any idea that this was something that he had been struggling with for many years. And just the the pain that his suicide brought to his wife, his children, 
And so many. For years upon years upon years upon years. And each and every day, we have people who feel such utter hopelessness and they either attempt and or complete suicide. It happens across the globe. In the United States specifically, the numbers of our military that take their own life is just heartbreaking. What can be done? How can we save a life? Well, Lord willing, today we're going to we're going to talk about a situation in the Bible of when it comes to one of the giants of faith. You know, one of the things that gets tossed around many times is that someone who has a relationship with Jesus Christ, they should not struggle with hopelessness. They should not struggle with the darkness. Well, tell that to Elijah. Do you remember Elijah? So we've been talking for the last few months about 1 Samuel, and we've spent the last few weeks working through our More Than Conqueror series where we're talking about the different giants that we face, whether it be the giant of refusing to forgive. Uh, this week we're talking about the giant of hopelessness. And this all happened in the David and Goliath narrative that so many of us have heard about over the years. And that we've used that as our jumping off point. Well, King David, he was a, an up and down king. And, and when we get off of our More Than Conqueror series, we'll get back to the life of David, well, Saul the king, and then David. When David's son Solomon, Solomon, well, he, he didn't always do the right thing. And as a result, God split the kingdom. He split the kingdom of Israel into the northern tribes and the southern tribes. And Elijah is a prophet of God who worked within the northern tribes of Israel. He served God particularly during the reign of King Ahab of Israel. Ahab was evil. He was the most evil king of Israel and due much in part to the influence of his just awful wife, Jezebel. Like There are many people who know nothing about the Bible, but they've heard the word Jezebel, and they know that that's not something they want to name their babies. And there's good reason. If you read about Jezebel, you will understand. And Jezebel comes up in, in our little narrative here. We're going to talk about 1 Kings 19, but I have to set the stage. So the kingdom's been divided, and for many years, evil kings have reigned in Israel. And right now, King Ahab is on the throne. Elijah has been a faithful prophet of God. Elijah has power through prayer. Elijah has power through miracles. 
Elijah is one of the top-notch names in all of Scripture. If anybody were to be able to seem above dealing with hopelessness, it would be Elijah. Like, you just think that he goes from one miracle to another and it should just be smooth sailing for him. But God in his wisdom, as he prompted the writers of scripture to put down certain stories, he chose to show the behind the scenes version of Elijah. Elijah has just challenged the prophets of Baal. So the prophets of Baal, Baal was the God, little G God, specifically of the area where Jezebel grew up. And Jezebel brought Baal worship into the Israelite area in like in the forefront. And Elijah had come to a place where he challenged the 450 prophets of Baal. And I think it's 400 prophets of the female version, like Asher or something like that, to this big, massive duel. So the battle on Mount Carmel, uh, one of my favorite lessons ever to have taught because God just showed up and showed out in such an amazing way. And Elijah was God's prophet. He was God's man in the midst of this. He was literally on the mountaintop, not only physically, but spiritually. He was at the top of his game. And he is thinking, this is going to turn the hearts toward God. So he runs ahead of Ahab's chariot and he gets there and he thinks this is going to be a massive change. And, well, that's not what happened. We start 1 Kings 19. It says, when Ahab got home, he told Jezebel everything Elijah had done, including the way he had killed all the prophets of Baal. He must have left out all the, the amazing miracle that God performed on top of the mountain and how God used Elijah. Ahab just punctuated how Jezebel's famed prophets of Baal that Elijah had killed them. So Jezebel sent this message to Elijah, may the God strike me and even kill me if by this time tomorrow I have not killed you just as you killed them. So if you're in Elijah's shoes and you have just seen God do miracle after miracle after miracle, including this huge spiritual warfare that has occurred on top of the mountain. What do you think your response is going to be to this puny Queen Jezebel shouting this threat? You think he's just going to stand up and say, you know, just like David did, just like the giant story that, you know, is our jumping off point. You know, David, little David, David is just a, a young man. And David is looking at Goliath and he's saying, you're going to let him stand here and defy the armies of the living God? David at 15 or 15-ish had an incredible grasp of the Lord of Heaven's armies. And in that moment, he took on this giant that was far beyond what anybody thought that he could handle. 
and he was victorious. So here you have Elijah that has all of this experience behind him. He's seen God do so many miracles and through his own hand. And you think that when he gets his threat from Jezebel, he will be, he'll be ready. Like he'll just say either God, you know, please strike her dead or, or whatever it may be, or put your hedge of protection around me. Verse three, Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. What? This is Elijah that had just been this massive man of spiritual power. Yeah, because Elijah was human. Elijah was human and he was exhausted. I think for sure from the, the spiritual battle that had just occurred and then running ahead from ah of Ahab and thinking that Ahab is going to turn toward God and, and the Israelites are going to turn toward God. I mean, the prayer that Elijah prayed on top of Mount Carmel that I taught on in Sunday school just a few weeks ago is he prayed that God would show himself to the people. And boy, did God show himself. But even with the God of the universe showing himself in front of the people, their hearts did not truly turn to him. So Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. He went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, and he left his servant there. So this is a distance. So, I mean, he's run off. He was in Israel. He has run into Judah. He left his servant there. He went on alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. He sat down under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. Yeah, you heard me right. Like, you, you're tempted as you listen to this, and you're just like, seriously, how did he go from the spiritual, physical mountaintop to praying that he might die in such a short amount of time? Well, I think there's a lot of factors. And I think that at least in part, it's exactly what we've been talking about each of these weeks. When we focus, when we take our focus off of the Lord of Heaven's armies who is in control of everything, and we place our focus on whatever giant that is in front of us, in this case, it's the giant of Jezebel's threat that ends up leading to the giant of hopelessness in Elijah. When we take our eyes off of the Lord and we focus on anything else, we will be defeated. Elijah says, I've had enough, Lord. And he said, take my life, for I am no better than my ancestors who have already died. This is Elijah. How in the world did this happen? Exhaustion, which led to faulty focus. He's probably spiritually exhausted because of the battle that occurred and everything that he has, that God has been doing in and through him and taking on the 450 prophets of Baal, which Literally only God knows how many demonic forces were on top of that mountain. 
And then Elijah runs and he runs and he runs and he's scared. So he's got stress. He's got physical exhaustion. He probably has spiritual exhaustion. And he has the giant of hopelessness. He is truly enveloped in darkness. Take my life for I am no better than my ancestors who have already died. That's the giant we're talking about this week. The giant of hopelessness. And if Elijah, one of the greatest characters in all of Christian history, can be enveloped in the darkness, so dark that he prays for God to allow him to die or to take his life specifically as well. We are not immune. And neither are our loved ones. I had planned this lesson already. I had picked the topic. And then life hit close to home. And someone I care about experienced the suicide of their loved one just this week. But that happens to families repeatedly each and every day. Since I began recording this podcast, sadly, statistics would hold that there's been at least one person complete suicide. Some of them do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ, and that is the reason the darkness is enveloping them. They do not have the hope of the gospel. But some do. But just like Elijah, they're struggling to focus. They're focused on the darkness. Let's continue. Then he lay down and slept under the broom broom tree. But as he was sleeping, an angel touched him and told him, get up and eat. He looked around and there beside his head was some bread baked on hot, hot stones and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. Then the angel of the Lord came again and touched him and said, get up and eat some more or the journey ahead will be too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank, and the food gave him enough strength to travel 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. There he came to a cave where he spent the night. Sometimes the first part of dealing with the darkness is just taking care of the physical needs. And a client a few years ago, story I've told so many times, but it, (laughs) 
it just still amazes me. I had a client who had been actively suicidal and was not far from it when I met this person. And the more I listened to their story, the more I realized that at least one of the key factors was that they were sleep deprived. That can make darkness envelop anybody and keep your brain from working. Like, it's just... So what did the angel do? The angel told him to get some sleep. He slept. He ate. And sometimes taking care of the physical, that doesn't mean that all the problems go away, but it can surely help perspective. It's a starting point. And that's where God started with Elijah. He met him. God's not always going to send an angel to meet you in the place of your deepest darkness, but doesn't mean he won't. But so many times God sends humans to infuse hope in what seems like a hopeless situation. Lord talks to him directly. Lord said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? Elijah replied, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down your altars, and killed every one of your prophets. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. I'm going to stop there. I did a lesson on this text, of, I don't know, a couple of years ago, and it just amazed me as I stared at this. I entitled it, I'm the only one. Elijah, in the midst of the darkness, in the midst of being scared literally to death almost by Jezebel's threat, Elijah is convinced that he is the only prophet of God. He's the only one. That's not the truth. It's not even close to the truth. But in the midst of that where he is exhausted on so many levels, he has this perspective that no one could understand. I am the only one. And when I was doing this lesson, we talked about the temptation that we have to think that we're the only one. I'm the only one that has ever gone through anything like this. I'm the only one that's experienced this level of pain. I am the only one. Da 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 da. Except that he wasn't the only one. And neither are you or I. Perspective. Focus. One of the reasons that people experience hopelessness is because they are missing part of the picture. And Elijah was.
he did not realize that there were others out there that he was not the only one. And besides ministering to Elijah's physical needs when it came to him getting sleep, him getting food, and then just God pep talk for that matter, then he gives him a helpmeet. He gives him Elisha. He gives him company. People who feel hopeless, when they are by themselves, usually that is when the darkness envelops. And God's sending someone into the darkness. The National Suicide Prevention website and information I have had on our podcast notes for months. And I'm not even sure what prompted me to put it on there. But when I did, it has remained. Because I don't want to take a chance of somebody just happened to, happening, quote unquote, upon this podcast. And no matter what the topic is, that they're in such a place of darkness. And they don't know where to turn for help. I'm like, at least we will... You know, get them to a 1-800 number or to a website that will get them talking with someone who can help them out of the darkness, can stand with them in the darkness. On the National Suicide Prevention website, there are warning signs of suicide. And I wanted to go over some of these um, you know, first, I would be totally remiss that to say, to not say, that if you are c contemplating suicide in any way, shape, or form, please, oh, please, oh, please reach out to somebody. The National Suicide Prevention Hotline is 1-800-273-TALK, which is 8255. That is 1-800-273-8255. Please reach out. Please get help. I know that on the Veterans um, Suicide Prevention site, there is a chat uh, function as well as on this one. There's a chat function. I can see it right now uh, up there in the corner. But for those of us who are not in the darkness at this point, hallelujah. But we need to know what to look for in the lives of others. So they give some warning signs on here. I'm just going to go through them pretty quickly. First one should be really obvious, but sometimes we just don't want to hear it. And that's the reason that this week's challenge, our assignment, is to pray for us to truly see those around you who are struggling with the giant of hopelessness and wisdom as to how you can infuse hope you know, pray that God will open your eyes to the people around you because there are people who commit suicide. And after that, everybody around them is like, I did not see it. Excuse me. And then sometimes, not always, they look back and they say, wow, those were the signs. 
first one's talking about wanting to die or kill themselves. You know, I've heard people make idle threats. I remember as a teenager, somebody that lived near me making an idle threat that they were going to kill themselves. They weren't. But I didn't take it seriously at the time because I really felt like they were, they had a habit of joking around with me. I felt like that was it. But at my age now, that is not a joke. You do not joke about things like that. Number two, looking for a way to kill themselves, like searching online or buying a gun. Next, talking about feeling hopeless or having no reason to live. You can hear it. You can hear it in the verbiage. I remember being in seminary and I remember being in a class where our professor was walking us through how to assess suicidal tendencies and how serious a person was. And one of the points that's always stuck out to me, always, is that the person feels like they do not have hope. You know what that sounds like in someone's voice, in their verbiage. Talking about feeling trapped or in unbearable pain. Talking about being a burden to others. Increasing the use of alcohol or drugs. Acting anxious or agitated, behaving recklessly. Some people don't actively commit suicide, but they do behaviors that cause, put them in harm's way, such as um, the people that you've heard of that try to do suicide by cop. They're not going to commit suicide, but they put themselves in a place where it is almost impossible for them not to die. Sleeping too little or too much, withdrawing or isolating themselves, big, 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 big flags, showing rage or talking about seeking revenge, extreme mood swings. As I was reading through that list, I thought about somebody that um, I was talking with, I guess a couple of years ago, whose loved one had committed suicide and they had displayed so many of these risk factors. They were just screaming out. It's hard to see them, especially hard to see them when it's somebody you love and you may be hurting too. But pray that God will open your eyes to those around you who are struggling with the giant of hopelessness. And then he will give you wisdom as to how you can infuse hope. You can't shine the bright light and cause somebody's darkness to turn to light. But you can point them to the God of light. There's a song that usually whenever I have taught on this, I will sing. And I'm not going to sing the whole song to you right now. I've got the link to the video it's a song by Michael English back in the day called Holding Out Hope to You. And it's one of those that just has touched me so deeply so many times. And as I sing it, May God move 
in your heart, if you are the one struggling with hope, may you know that he is the hope. Please run to the Lord of Heaven's armies. Don't be so focused on that giant of hopelessness. There's no way out that you do not see that the Lord of Heaven's armies provides a way of escape, will move the mountain, will make a way over the mountain. He will do what only he can do. I'll be holding out hope to you. Even when this world breaks your heart in two. When your life is consumed by your fear and your doubt. I'll be holding out hope to you. And in this moment, I am holding out hope to you. That hope is found through an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. I pray that God will work in your heart this very moment. If you are struggling with hope, if you are struggling with the darkness, that God will send you either an angel or a human being with the love of Christ in their heart to infuse hope, to shine the light, to point you to that Lord of Heaven's armies. Most everyone has seen the movie. It's a wonderful life. If you haven't, like, what? It's that Christmas movie that plays each and every year and probably will until the rapture occurs. Main character, George Bailey, is loved by so many. But a situation happens that is beyond his control and he does not see a way out. He is at that point of hopelessness and helplessness. The darkness has surrounded him. In the movie, he gets something that most of us do not get the opportunity to see. And that is, he gets to see what life would have been like for those around him if he had not been in their lives. I wonder how many suicides would be prevented if others could see what their absence will do to those they love or even those that they have not yet met but that they were destined to impact. May God give you a vision of who you create who he created you to be and may he infuse hope 
so deeply in your heart. And may you pour that hope into the lives of others. That you will make a difference. That you will look around you. Truly look, truly open your eyes. And see who's struggling. And point them to the Lord of Heaven's armies. Pray them to the Lord of Heaven's armies. Let's just see what God will do. Thank you for joining us this weekend. We will continue our More Than Conquerors series. Looking at a different giant uh, for at least maybe the next two to three weeks. Uh, we'll just see how it kind of works out. I kind of like doing the giant series. It just amazes me the directions God leads. And I pray that... God is using this series to touch you. There are others who could benefit from what God is sharing through me. This podcast is free and it's free to share. If you could, please share this on your social media or in email. Share it with others. Help us all be more mindful of those around us who are struggling in the darkness. Take an opportunity to point them toward the light. You know, Christ is their refuge. Christ is their strength. Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 says, Then Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary, and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. If you are carrying a heavy burden, and you are feeling as though there is no end in sight, bring it to Christ and leave it there. If you know of someone who feels so overwhelmed by the load. Point them to Christ. Pray them to Christ. And find rest. Rest does not mean all circumstances work out exactly as you would like. But rest in Him is something that no one can take away. That even in the midst of the deepest, darkest circumstances, you can rest in the assurance that God is in control. You can experience the joy, not happiness, but the joy that can only come from God. And as we always end, Remember, it's always a trust and obey kind of day. <music>